You're listening to Don's Cast, an unofficial fan podcast about the greatest Australian football team, the Essendon Bombers. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nick. And mate, we'll be hoping for a big bounce back after a really disappointing uh, last Friday night effort from the Bombers against the Bulldogs. Yeah, certainly will, mate. And, uh, you know, that's the worst thing about losing on a Friday night. Uh, sort of stuffs your weekend. And I'm definitely one that, uh, yeah, I was, wasn't feeling too flash, but uh, look, feeling better now coming into this week where we can hope for the uh, hope for the best of the boys have been able to get around each other and hopefully find some form for this game coming up against Adelaide. Well, I think I'm speaking for most Bomber supporters you couldn't be confident. How many times have we mm. had the monkey on our back of being expected to win and failing? And I'll tell you what, playing against the side at home that hasn't won a game, um, yeah, it does worry me heading to Adelaide on Sunday. But let's hope the Bombers you know, bounce back after a disappointing game. But I must say, um, I am going into this game with a bit of trepidation. Yeah, I think you're right, James. We've had a bad run lately of bringing teams into form. You know, we've seemed to lose against the the lower placed teams, while we seem to bring our best game against those in the upper echelon. So, look, mate, I'm just hoping we bring 100% effort because, like, when we are pressuring at the ball and like we actually look pretty good and competitive. But when we're not pressuring, our game systems fall over because there's just that perceived lack of, of cohesion. Um, we just look real sloppy and it looks like the learnings that uh, John Worsfold's talked about for all these years aren't really sinking in four years in. So, uh, yeah, let's let's hope the boys can bounce back against the Crows. All right, well, before we get into the game on for Sunday and name the team, Let's uh, talk about some bomber news going around, and why don't we start with an update on Joe Danaher? Yeah, beauty. So uh, I think Dan Richardson was was talking on radio and said that um, looks like Joe Hannah, Joe, Joe Danaher will rejoin, you know, training, or well, at least sort of get back into running before getting into main training. I think contact drills will probably be still a way off, but it'll be promising to see him running around anyway. Yeah, they said it expected a uh, time frame of around two weeks before him to start running, and he said even joining in some of the main training isn't that far away. So it does sound like they just wanted to rest that calf properly. And pleasingly, he said that there was no impact on his uh, groin, which had obviously caused him a hell of a lot of trouble in the last year or two. Um, other news, we lost uh, Kale Hooker. Um we both mentioned after last week's game, we hoped that Hooker would be ready because he did take a fall. Uh, I think he fell on Saad um, trying to defend a, a ball in the second quarter. We were both hopeful that it wouldn't have affected him, but it looks like uh, he's picked up a calf injury. Yeah, it's disappointing because he, he was playing uh, playing really well. And, you know, from John Worsfold's uh, conference, he sort of said that he got a bit of a knock in the calf earlier in the match, which sort of limited his ability to run. Uh, but then when that other impact happened, that's what's sort of caused the calf strain. So from the club website, it looks like they want to you know, rest him for 10 to 12 days uh, before getting him back into 
running, like obviously just to rest the calf, make sure he doesn't sort of re-injure or aggravate it in any way. And uh, then he'll get back into training. But uh, So he'll miss at least three to four weeks. And you'd have to say that with the next four rounds effectively being paid over three weeks, he's, he's probably likely to miss obviously this week, but maybe even the next four games. Yeah, so yeah, with him potentially out for five weeks, uh, that's a big loss as he was playing pretty well. Him and Hooker had uh, made that chemistry like they always have of being the generals down back. So uh, obviously just preempting a little bit, but Aaron Francis has got the knock on uh, on you know to come into the side. So he's going to have to play a bit more of a key role because Paddy Ambrose obviously still not back yet and. Also, uh, I noticed Brendan Zirk-Thatcher hasn't been named as an emergency. So, um, you know, losing Hooker, basically bringing in Francis, that's a replacement. And, yeah, you'd think he's the one who's going to play, you know, a key position role this week. Uh, you mentioned about the four rounds. Um, why don't we go through what our next four games look like after the Crows? Yeah, so after the Crows, it's actually... Pretty interesting because while all four of these games I think are going to be tough games for us, they're all uh, pretty winnable in my opinion. So we've got the first three games are at Metricon, uh, where we play Brisbane on Friday 31st of July, then GWS on Friday 7th of August, and then Gold Coast on Wednesday 12th of August, before coming up against St Kilda at the Gabba on Sunday the 16th of August. So personally I think we've done pretty well timing wise in terms of, you know, we've got a Friday, Friday, then a Wednesday and a Sunday. So those last couple of games will be a bit tight. But, you know, I reckon they are all winnable games. So yeah, if we can come out of these these four rounds, implementing that new structure we're working on and just putting on the pressure, I reckon we're, we're, we're a real chance to win, you know, three of these games, um, which would leave us in a great position to keep building in our season if we're aiming for finals. Yeah, I'd lo- I'd love to agree with you there, but gee, last week really is not the confidence in, <laughs> yeah. in the team that I have. I've got to be honest. I'm, um, yeah, I think you know Brisbane's going to be a real test for us. Mm. Obviously, we know GWS are full of skilled players, and you know they haven't started the season well, so they'll be hunting for every win. I think St Kilda look much improved. Yeah. Um, so I, I must admit I'm a little bit worried and, you know, Gold Coast have done fantastically well. So mm. I've got to say, if, if we don't beat Adelaide, I'm really worried about our finals uh, chances because those next four games are going to be very tough, mm. especially when you take into account we're not going to have Hooker, Stringer, Heppel and most likely Danaher for all those games. So, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I don't share the same confidence as you, but... Hey, if after the five weeks and we've won three or four of those games, I'll be uh, saying, mate, you're the Messiah. I should have <laughs> believed you. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, at the moment, I've got, you know, and maybe call it a bit of a lack of faith, but after last week's performance, I've, I have lost a little bit of uh, resilience. And, you know, I just was really disappointed. I know we've every other team's had a bad week, and let's hope that was ours. But um, yeah, I just I thought the trend of how we played was really poor, and you know I haven't seen anything done at the selection table yet. It's you know 
uh, reignited my fire to have that confidence back. So obviously we get Dylan Shield back next week after the Adelaide game, which will be a welcome addition. Um, and let's hope we see a James Stewart to change the uh, demographic of the side in terms of its height because at the moment I think we are still a little short to compete against some of the good sides. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing for me because with Worsfold's press conference uh, just yesterday, he mentioned that there was a possibility of having two rucks uh, with one playing mainly forward. So to sort of say that, you thought, okay, well, maybe we're going to go with both Phillips and Bell Chambers or even, you know, would they take a punt on Sammy Draper? I thought Sammy Draper would probably be unlikely because he is just coming back from injury and... We're being cautious with him because, um, yeah, you've got to play the long game with these players that can be absolute guns. And uh, so, yeah, I, just, I found the actual selections interesting. Like, you're right, there's nothing there that says we've we've been daring or anything like that. But, yeah, like, for mine, we really do need that big marking forward in the forward line. We've really struggled to have any impact when the ball has hit our forward line. And having that taller marking option... Or even just to bring the ball to ground for our fleet of smalls to, you know, get around it, take a crumb, uh, get around goal. It's just so important for us. So um, yeah, definitely interesting. You know, obviously we've got the extended interchange at the moment, but when they uh, cut it down to, to just the four. Yeah, well I'd be thinking unless the weather's going to be terrible, I think James Stewart has to be named on Sunday. Um, you know because. Uh, yeah, they say the definition in, of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. What, like, and, like learning? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like how many times can you learn something before realising, you know what, I'm never going to learn it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, let's hope that the club, you know, has evaluated itself pretty, t- uh, pretty toughly. Like, you know, in terms of, you know, it was a, pretty poor performance and yes you don't throw the baby out with the bath water when you've had one bad performance but you know so having said that uh we've seen this too often where we've played you know football that is not to afl standard and we can't just flick a, a switch and come back you know you have to set up the structures so that you can play the way you want to mm. And at the moment, currently, uh, and not just from last week, we've seen it all year. Yes, we've had to play a smaller side than normal, but to continue to do that, you know, without exploring the options of playing like a steward or an extra tall, you know, in terms of having Bell Chambers and Phillips, just need something because our small forwards aren't kicking a lot of goals. You know, your AMTs and so forth. Mm. You know, I think he plays much better when he has a, uh, a key forward to crumb off. And yes, McKernan's been out of form. So, um, you know, we, we both commented, both him and uh, Townsend, and I saw a stat during the week where, you know, Townsend's our number one player that we send most of our attacking uh, ball inside 52. Mm. That surprised me a little, especially with his low possession rate. What did you think? Yeah, and that's another interesting thing, like, that I'll go back to that Worsfold conference because he said, "Oh, he's not like Townsend isn't really playing a a tall forward role. He's playing a different role for us." So I found that really interesting because, as you say, we keep on kicking the ball to him, you know, almost 
every second time we go into the forward 50. And we've sort of mentioned he he's flying at the ball and trying to make a contest at least, but he's obviously not getting there. So unless your particular role is to try to at least bring it to ground and that's about it, where you're not getting a, a possession or anything like that, uh, like that sounds to me like a pretty poxy way to structure your forward line if you're just living off hope. Yeah. Uh, particularly because he is quite undersized. I mean, he's he's taken on some uh, some pretty big blokes. I mean, like you know, Moore, um, and then he had um, Robbie Tarrant. Tarrant. Yeah. Yeah. So he's um, like he's had a few big tasks, but he can't do it. He's, he's undersized and everything like that. And like Wusher was even saying with um, McKerner that oh no, he's been playing really solid for us. I thought he's been uh, playing all right. Well, he hasn't. I mean, um, we can't sort of sugarcoat this. He's just been off, and we know that um, Smack can turn it on, do some miraculous things, but he just hasn't been able to find that uh, that form that we know he's capable of. Hopefully, the drier weather will uh, work in his favour, and he'll be able to take a few grabs and kick a few goals. But like you, you couldn't sort of fool me that he's been, you know, playing really solid games for us. So. Yeah, I like. I agree with you. We definitely need that big, tall marking option. So, I would really like to see uh, James Stewart in the side, if for nothing else, but to present that that target. And even with that, maybe Smack gets a second best defender, which could help break the shackles off him. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how we how we structure up and on Sunday. All right, mate. Well, why don't you go through the side who play or who's been named currently? Obviously, it's an extended bench, mm-hmm. but if you want to read through the bomber side, that'd be great. Beauty. So going from the backs, so we've kept the faith with Mason Redman, and he'll line up alongside Aaron Francis, who comes in, and Michael Hurley. Of the halfbacks, Connor McKenna. So again, we've kept the faith with him. Uh, gone Jordan, Jordan Ridley and Adam Saad. The centres are Langford, Merritt and Ham. Half forward line of Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, David Zaharakis and Will Snelling. With the forwards of Fantasia, Townsend and Dev Smith. With the followers of Bally in the Ruck, Parrish and McGrath. And the extended bench of McKernan, Laverde, Mitch Hibbard, Ned Carl, James Stewart, Marty Gleeson, Tommy Cutler and Dylan Clark. Yeah, so it's, uh, as you said, we've stayed pretty uh, true to the side that played last week. Uh, barring, you know, Phillips for Bell Chambers seems to be in the change, and mm-hmm. Francis for Hooker. So at the moment, from last week's side, you basically changed, you know, uh, not that I see Francis as quite as a key position player as Hooker is, but basically like for like, you know. Out Phillips, in Bell Chambers, out Hooker, in Francis. Now, it's the extended bench that you look at. And the Bombers, usually when they name their first four players on the extended bench, that's usually the side they're going to name for the full side. But I'd like to think in this case, there might be a couple of changes. And as I said, we're not being harsh on these players because they're new players or younger players. But I would think Hibbert and Carl would be out. And I'd be looking, you know, to play a Stewart, possibly a Dylan Clark, you know, to give a bit more height in the um, midfield. And then, you know, you've got other options there as well. So 
Uh, how do you think you would go, mate? Would you name the four that we usually do? Like, say, would you have, would you persevere with Hibbert and Carl? Nah, personally not. I mean, I could see why they persevere with Hibbert. Like, the first couple of games he played, he did rack up quite a bit of the footy. Um, obviously, last week was a bit more disappointing, but like I'd, I'd think Dylan Clark would be really pushing for a spot in the side, and so I wouldn't mind him seeing him get his opportunity, but definitely I'd be taking Carl out for Stewart. Again, that's just more of a structure thing. Nothing against Carl. I think he's going to be a classy player for us for many years to come, but we can't go into the game with that many smalls. And because you even look at like around the ground, like Braden Ham, he's not a big bloke. Uh, Raz, Smith, and even even our midfield, like you look at Parrish and McGrath, they're not big blokes. They're playing in the midfield, but apart from that, though I think we definitely need to have a bit of size around the ground because we're really struggling without that marking option and Smack can't do it all game, and certainly not by himself when he's chopping out in the ruck. And uh, I'll be very interested to watch... Bell Chambers to see if he can run out the full game, but yeah, for mine, I'd I'd stick with um, Smack and Lav, but take out Hibbert and Carl for Stewart and Clark. Yeah, we seem to be on the same page there, but obviously the club selectors know better than us because uh, they continue to do almost the opposite to what a lot of Essendon fans would predict. Um, and sometimes, like, and we've got to give them credit. There's been times where we've called for players to be dropped and then. They've had great performances the week after. So, obviously, the selectors, quite rightfully, have the responsibility of picking the side. And sometimes they get it right. But I guess we get a little bit frustrated as fans when sometimes, you know, if a player's out of form and we keep persevering with them, you know, to me, it doesn't drive a culture where you have to perform to keep your spot. So that's something that, you know, and I think, the she- I know it's a long time ago, but the Sheedy days, Sheedy was quite ruthless at selection. I know it wasn't just him who made selection, but Sheedy had the rule, like, if you didn't, you know, basically it seemed from the outside at least, if you didn't perform, you know, your position in the side was very dubious for the following week. So, yeah, let's hope that that culture of, you know, needing to perform to keep your spot um, is driven pretty hard in the future years with the Bombers. I'll just um yeah, I was gonna say I'll just go through the uh the crow side, Jane. So uh if I go from the backs, so we've got Luke Brown, Daniel Talia, and Will Hamill. Half backs of Fisher McCasey, Tom Doty, Rory Laird, with the centres of David Mackay, Chase Jones, and Tom Lynch. Half forward line of Kyle Hardigan, Brody Smith, and Brad Crouch, with the forward line of Tyson Stengel. Taylor Walker, Shane McAdam, with the followers Riley O'Brien, Matt Grouch and Paul Seedsman, with their extended bench of Lachlan Murphy, Bryce Gibbs, Jake Kelly, Rory Atkins, Ned McHenry, Ben Keyes, Elliot Himmelberg and Andrew McPherson. Yeah, I think uh, the Crows might go with Himmelberg um, in this game, even though he's named deep on their bench. I think, you know, depending on the weather, of course, but... It might be a good chance to kind of press the bomber for uh, back line because we're quite undersized there now with Hooker out because Ridley, although he's 195 centimetres tall, he's pretty lean. You've also got you know Francis, who's 
I don't really see him as a key position. I see him more as a third up tool. So, you know, if they play a Himmelberg and then you've got Tex Walker, and we know that Hurley's had some troubles playing on one-on-one at times, you know, especially in contests. Yeah, let's hope we don't play like a Tex Walker into form because, yeah, that's why I was a little bit surprised and obviously haven't seen all the games, but uh, Brendan Zirk-Batcher wasn't named on the bench as a option. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same, James, because, I mean, for mine, uh, like Hurley, like while he used to be like like an outstanding one-on-one backman, it's not really the role he plays anymore. Uh, and the same with Aaron Francis. Like Aaron Francis, like he's a he's a decent defender, but um, his real add what he adds to the side is his his willingness to to kill a contest, to run off his man, and you know get dangerous uh, for us going forward. So in terms of a lockdown uh, key back, we haven't really named one for this side. So I would have thought Zerk Thatcher would have been the obvious choice. The Kale Hooker going out, but as you say, like we haven't actually seen the games firsthand, so don't know, um, you know, what sort of work Zerk Thatcher requires to make it back into the team. But look, hopefully, uh, Franger and, and Hurls prove us wrong, and they can cover these guys with no worries. But um, yeah, I guess that'll be found out on on Sunday. But I think you're right, like Himmelberg, he's a he's actually he's shown a little bit. Um, he's a taller player and could stretch us um so hopefully the the boys will structure up well down there and play for each other all right well why don't we have a break mate and when we come back we'll do our remember when segment when's your game from well james i'm uh, actually going from uh round 90 round 22 1997 uh it's a cracker how about yourself mate yeah well i'm going for a game a bit more recent than that i'm going for the Round 14 game of 2014, and uh, yeah, obviously the Bombers and Crows at Eddie Head Stadium. So we'll have a break and we'll come back to discuss those games in our Remember When segment. Listening to Don's Cast and our regular feature of Remember When. And mate, you're taking us back to 1997. Yeah, that's it, mate. So, uh, look, in terms of the 97 season, it was it was actually pretty disappointing as a Bombers fan. So, we'd finished sixth in 1996 and made it to the prelim, but a point from Plugger after the siren left us out of contention. But a series of injuries to our gun players through, the, through 97 including Mark Harvey, James Hurd, Michael Long, Mark McCurry and Stephen Alessio, left us depleted for large periods of the season. We'd actually won our first three games that year before losing our next two, and then after a win in round six against Brisbane, we got trounced the next week by Adelaide by 53 points and went on to lose our next five matches. We had wins in rounds 13 and 14 against Richmond, who we pumped by 93 points, and then Melbourne, who we beat by 63 points, but lost our next four games and were sitting at 14th on the ladder with only eight wins by round 22 of the season. Adelaide, on the other hand, was sitting on fourth and had a really strong side. But all we wanted as fans was a contest, and Jane, we certainly got that. 
As the game got started, Adelaide jumped us and kicked the first five goals of the match, and it looked like it was going to be a very long day at the office for us. But then, when Denham kicked it forward with a grubby old kick, who handballed it to Peter Kranzberg, who snapped one through, we were finally on the board. This was followed up by a beautiful kick for goal by Shea Cockatoo Collins, which was followed up again when Kranzberg handballed to Moorcroft, who ran inside 50 and kicked truly to get our third goal. Our fourth came minutes later, when Lloydie took a great grab about 40 metres out and kicked it straight. Adelaide kicked the next goal, though, to finish the quarter 16 points up, and they extended their lead by kicking the first two goals of the second quarter. They missed a few shots, which was fortunate because we only managed to kick the two points in the second quarter, and were trailing at half-time by 31 points. So it was four goals, two, 26, to Adelaide's eight goals, nine, 57. We came alive, though, in the third, when Blumfield kicked the ball to half-forward, where Lucas won it and swung around on his trusty left boot to kick the ball toward goal, which was marked courageously by Shea Cockatoo Collins to kick his second of the match. Then, when Ricky Olerenshaw stole the ball from an errant kick by Rusciuto and pumped it forward to Hardwick, who then spotted up Shea Cockatoo Collins to kick his third, the crowd found their voice and were willing the Bombers on. Adelaide got the next goal back, but Lloyd took a great mark up forward, about 40 metres out again, on a tightish angle, but when Darren Jarman tried pushing Lloyd, Mark Harvey got right up in his face to, uh, to put him back in his box. And when Jarman lashed, lashed out in frustration at Harvey, a 50 was paid to make the goal an absolute certainty. And both Harvey and the Essendon faithful made Jarman know all about it. We then went on to get the next goal when Wallace dashed out of half-back and pumped a long handball to Blumfield, who handballed to a loping Scotty Lucas, who kicked a mongrel into the forward 50, which made an awkward bounce over Nigel Smart's head to land in Cockatoo Collins's lap. And as he turned around to kick the goal, the Essendon crowd were out of their seats, roaring the house down. We'd cut their lead to just 14 points, but the Crows got the next and weren't quite finished yet. We went on to kick the next goal through Moorcroft, who socketed it through from about 20 metres out, and the crowd were getting raucous. The next goal came from Lloyd, who took a strong grab about 15 metres out, after some great work from Scotty Lucas to kick it to his advantage. And when Hardwick tackled Shane Allen, who spilled the ball, Moorcroft picked it up and pumped through his third goal to have us only one point down as we went into the last break. Now, if we thought the crowd was loud before, it erupted when Mark Harvey, who was playing his last game for the Bombers, won it at halfback and pumped the ball forward, which bounced and landed in Lloyd's lap, who kicked true and had us leading for the first time in the match. Forget it either, Harvey, the crowd favourite today, playing his last game, Bickley's got him, but he still gets his kick, long one it is too, oh, Cockatoo Collins got it to the back of his opponent, Lloyd snaps, and kicks, the Bombers have hit the front. See, that was a good kick, oh, that's a clever kick, my right? We stretched our lead to 11 points when Blake Carousella got Mark Bickley holding the ball, who then passed to Lucas, who passed the ball to Chris Danaher, who got it to Denham, who ran inside 50 and kicked a beauty and the crowd went wild again. Denham wanted another piece of the action though and got it when he rove the ball off a pack in our forward 50 to kick a classy goal from the boundary line. Adelaide weren't done though and kicked the next two goals to be only five points down with just eight minutes left in the quarter. Peter Somerville ripped the ball out of a boundary throw-in and snapped it forward to Lloyd who passed to Michael Pryor 
who kicked the ball towards goal, which was marked by Cockatoo Collins to kick his fifth of the match. Again, though, the Crows pegged one back, and when Sean Wren marked the ball at halfback and popped, the, popped it up to Shane Allen to go for a run, it looked like they might, might overrun us. But Dean Wallace was there in defence and grabbed the footy and ran with it, which he's now infamous for. But he kicked it to Hardwick, who passed to Lloydie, who was storming through to kick his fifth of the match to stretch our lead out again to 11 points with just two minutes to go. Adelaide would kick the last goal of the match, but ultimately it was Essendon who came out victors by four points. 16 goals, 602 to Adelaide's wasteful 14 goals, 14.98. And look at the Bomber fans. They rise as one. They run to Mark Harvey as well. Mark Harvey in his last game. The Bombers victorious by four points. Now, Adelaide would go on to win the Premiership that year while we finished 14th of the ladder. But I still remember that game as a sweet victory and have lost no love for the Adelaide Footy Club over all these years. What about yourself, mate? What do you remember from that game? Well, actually, uh, remember I went to that game and I was on the train and a news report came out. and That was the day that Princess Diana died, actually. So I just remember the uh, like the... The platform at Flinders Street Station was all in shock, you know, it had just been announced. And back then, uh, Princess Diana was on the cover of every, uh, you know, Women's Day or whatever magazine uh, ladies read. She was always on the front cover. So it was a really big story and it was kind of, um, yeah, kind of eerie. And uh, obviously Harv's playing his last game and they actually made the announcement around half time. Um, so even though she died early in the day, I remember at half time someone on the PA at Optus uh, Oval uh, came out and made that s- statement, and there was still a few people who didn't know, and I just remember watching their faces and the shock and and that. So even though it's a non-football related, I still remember it for that day because it was such a a big part of the uh, you know the landscape uh, for people in Victoria and and in the world. But, yeah, Harv's last game and, you know, Harv's, I think, a triple premiership hero for us. Um, it might have been double, I can't remember. I, I know he played in the um, 85 and 93 grand finals, but I think he played in the 84 one, not for mind as well. So he might have played um, three premierships. He had a great career at the Bombers and, as we know, he's still at the Bombers now. Uh, that year, uh, my thoughts, I... I remember being gutted at the end of 96 when uh, Wanganine departed and left for Port Adelaide. And then watching the reigning, one of the reigning uh, Brownlow medalists in James Hurd uh, be cut down by injury. And he was certainly in his prime at that time. That was really tough to watch as well. So, yeah, 97 was a bit of a write-off year, really, for the Bombers. But, um, yeah, we, we certainly had a fond send-off for our last game of the year and it's always great to beat the Crows and yeah the Crows would go on and win the flag as you said Uh, so it was good to say that we were the last team to beat Adelaide in 1997. That was a good good game mate. Yeah so what's your what's your game mate? Yeah mine's uh, from round 14 in 2014. Uh, Obviously the Bombers and Crows they were both eyeing a spot in the top eight. 
the Dons were ninth and the Crows were tenth. And it was in Melbourne, a game, so it was played at Etihad. And there was a big bomber crowd that you know, was trying to will us over the line. And, uh, you know, Mark Thompson was the coach. Uh, you know, James Heard was suspended that year. So, obviously, being so tight, you know, with only seven or eight rounds to go, the Dons needed to win this one. Otherwise, they'd be pushed down the pack with uh, the Crows would have leapfrogged them. Uh, the game started and we jumped the Crows. We kicked, the, you know, seven, seven goals straight in the first quarter. So that was a pleasing start. Uh, the Crows only kicked two goals, but it was a little bit misleading because the Crows kicked two goals six to our seven straight. So amazingly, they actually had more shots a goal, but you know we held a pretty good uh, lead at quarter-time break. Uh, the second term was a bit of an arm wrestle. The Crows made up some ground. They kicked three goals to our two. But it was the power running of like Brent uh, Brent Stanton and the efforts of standing captain uh, Brendan Goddard, who really were keeping the bombers in it. And uh, you know, even though we we had a good lead, as I said, that first quarter was a bit misleading with the Crows peppering the goals. And you know, to kick they had uh, eight scoring shots to seven in the first, and they played the better footy in the second quarter as well. So you know, we still had a pretty comfortable lead. Of, about oh, I think it's about twenty points at half time, uh, but yeah, we still were struggling a little bit um, with their with their play, and they had a they looked a little bit more settled. The third quarter, the Crows made their move and they kicked four goals straight to our two goals eight. So now it was our turn to you know pepper the goals and and not be able to put them away, and yeah, you know, it was a real opportunity missed it seemed because. You know, to have 10 scoring shots to four, uh, that was a you know, pretty good quarter. But amazingly, having 10 scoring shots to four and you're outscored for the quarter. So uh, we were certainly giving the Crows a chance and we gave them a really good sniff. The last quarter went goal for goal as the ball swung end to end as both teams went for broke to win the game. And the Bombers, look at the numbers around for the Bombers here. Lots of them. Eventually, Kavanagh to a one-on-one. Windelick got rid of his man. Now he'll get a look at goal to put him 21 points up. He runs into the open. And he's got it. And he goes back to him and says, see, boy, oh, boy. They all came at him. And he had the last laugh. And Fletcher with a low spiral out into open territory. Collier runs. Yench has given up on him. I reckon he'll take truck off. He says, you're a big man, I'm a small man. That is unbelievable. Collier kicks an unbelievable goal. Uh, the Bombers wow, fan. Wayne, did you see that, Richo? I did. Well called, BT. The big truck did okay, though. And the match was tight, obviously. But when young player Michael Hurley intercepted a ball that bounced over a Crows player's head and then straightened up and banged it home with his left foot from 50 metres out, you felt like we were home. It was a beautiful kick from a rising star. We would go on to win the game, only by about 10 or 11 points, and the Bombers would go to make the finals with Mark Thompson as the coach. And, you know, it was a game that was a real cut edge, and, you know, when you look at the ladder, 
at the end of round 23 back then. Um, you'll see that if that game had swung the Crows' way, we really would have been pushing to make the finals. So I think that was our fourth or fifth win in a row and uh, certainly straightened up our season after starting you know, pretty slowly. So, yeah, it was a good game to remember. Um, and obviously when I was picking my games, you know, it was hard to go past the 1993 prelim, but we kind of had a bit of a talk and we thought, Let's leave the final games for if we ever play a final um, against one of these sides and use the final ones for those. But, um, yeah, I thought your game was excellent, mate, and it really brought back a lot of memories. Yeah, it's it's good to go back through these these old games where, you know, we've um, we've come up against an old enemy and, uh, and knocked them down. And, uh, yeah, look, mate, talking about finals, let's, let's hope we can actually get in there and... And win one this season. It's uh, it's been 16 years. Uh, it's uh, strange to think that the last time we won a final, Brent Stanton was playing his first year of footy. So um, yeah, just let's hope we can actually get up against the Crows and yeah, set ourselves up for a, a big season ahead. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. All right, mate. Well, why don't we have a break and we'll come back and finish up the show with Bomber Prediction. You're listening to Don's Cast, and as we wrap up the show, we always do our bomber predictions. So, mate, who's going to get the first goal on Sunday? Well, look, uh, I think we'll uh, go a bit unorthodox and actually play a forward in Orazio Fantasia in the forward line. And I'm going to back him in to kick our first goal. Uh, I think he's due for one. Um, he's been a bit bit down on form lately, so I reckon he'll be itching to get on the board early, especially in his hometown of Adelaide. Um, how about yourself, mate? Who are you going to back in? Yeah, well, I've kind of backed him a couple of times, but I'm going to go one more time, and I'm going to pick an SA boy as well. I'm going to go with Will Snelling. I reckon uh, if he starts on the ground, he might be our first goal scorer. All right, so our next one we usually talk about is most possessions, and this is a bit tougher these days with no Dylan Shield. Yeah, it is, but, uh, you know, it's a good chance for some boys to step up, and I think Zach Merritt will be due. You know, he, I reckon he'll be... He's such a competitor, Zachy Merritt, and I reckon he'll be really, you know, not um, not sort of angry with himself or whatever, but he'd be uh, really wanting to uh, stamp his authority on the on the midfield there because we know he does want to be one of the best midfielders in the competition and I reckon this will be a, a good chance for him to have a, a good hit out so I'm hoping our um, midfielders around him can actually help him out there you know put a body on an opposition player when needed so Zachy Merrick can use the ball the best so yeah I reckon Zachy Merrick's going to be in for a big game how about yourself mate who are you, you going to back? Yeah, well, I'm going to continue to go with Andy McGrath. I think he's been able to find the ball quite well this year. And uh, although we get a little bit, uh, you know, frustrated sometimes when he snaps over his body a bit, um, he has been finding the ball in pretty good positions. And you know, he he's a good distributor as well. So yeah, I think he'll accumulate the pill and 
yeah, I think he'll have the most possessions on the day. Uh, the final one, and it's always the most important one, mate. Who wins and by how much? Yeah, well, as you said earlier, James, like our faith may be shaken. Yeah, I've got to go with the Bombers. I'm hoping for, like, I don't think we'll get a big win. Uh, it'll always be tight. Unfortunately, we haven't got that that mongrel about us to put sides away. But I'm um, thinking a two-goal win will uh, see us over the line against the Crows. How about yourself, mate? Well, fool me once, it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> fool me twice <laughs> no fool me once it's your fault <laughs> I've, see I've made a mess of that who's, who's the fool but yeah fool, fool me once it's your fault fool me twice it's my fault so I'm going to say the Bombers are going to win so I'm putting myself in that dangerous thing and I'm going to say the Bombers will win by three goals so just a little bit more than yours but, uh, yeah, I'll, look, mate, I've got to be honest, I'm not looking forward to doing the review show <laughs> if we are the first team to lose to Adelaide because mm. I'll tell you what, they hurt those losses when you know, you're supposed to win. And you know, like, we've probably lost two games where this year where we would have been, you know, we, we should have won, like I, I think, like the, on paper. Yep. So I think we should have beaten Carlton for sure, but... Again, we gave him a little bit of an out because that was the week that Conor McKenna and um, the Conor McKenna troubles, so where we had to self-isolate for three or four days. So it probably wasn't a great preparation. Uh, so we gave him a little bit out for the Carlton game. But uh, last week, even though the Bulldogs on the bookies uh, were favourite, uh, I still would have thought we had the clientele to win that game considering how the Bulldogs have played since. Mm. So, yeah, I'll be really disappointed if we drop this one. So let's hope the Bombers bounce back because, as we said, we've got four tough games coming up after this one. So we need to lock this in. If we're 5-2, and two, I'll take that any time of the week. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, as you say, if we uh, if we give Adelaide their first win of the season, it might be a bit of a dark episode, the, the recap, and... Um, yeah, might even need a bit of a language warning, but hopefully the Bombers can get up because I'd much, much rather be celebrating a win than uh, commiserating a loss uh, to the Crows. Yeah, that's right. All right, well, thanks for listening and we'll do our review show after Sunday's game. Uh, let's hope we're discussing a big Bomber win. So till next time, go Bombers. Go Dons. <laughs>